Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Pastor Larry. Can we give a hand to all our serving members today who make each weekend possible, from the traffic marshals all the way to cafe, to children's ministry, to our preteens, and even our worship team, and all our tech crew and production crew. So thank you so much. Good morning, church. To all our friends and guests who are here for the first time, welcome to Grace, and to all Gracians, welcome home, and especially to the online community, a shout out to you, welcome. So we are going through the book of Revelation, looking at human history from heaven's perspective. And we started with the first part of the series, establishing the subject of this letter. That is, it's all about the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the recipients of this letter are the seven churches. And in the previous message from Pastor Wilson, he preached that we learn that there is no one in heaven, on earth or under earth, who was worthy enough to open the scroll that represented God's will for this world. But only Christ, our Lord, the Lamb who was slain, was worthy enough to open the scroll. Which leads us to this next major segment of Revelation where we enter into what the writer John determines or details as the seven seals, three sets of seven. The seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. And you must understand that each set or each cycle becomes more intense than the previous one. So we catch up to chapter 6 of Revelation where we will unpack the seven seals from the scroll. scroll. And these seals are not... Uh, the, the wonderful animals at the zoo is sealed off and a letter that is opening up this seal, right? So how should we op- approach the seven seals? How should we approach these seals? Revelation, like we mentioned, was a letter written by the Apostle John to the seven churches. And as such, the way we approach this letter cannot be in the form of prediction, but rather through understanding the context that the first century church experienced under the Roman empire. We must also understand that John was trying to explain all the different visions that he saw and highlighting different facets and angles putting into one message. Hence, as we unpack the seven seals, we must realize that they are non-sequential and non-linear and they do not fit into a neat pattern or a timeline. So imagine with me a Russian doll uh, where you, you, know, you buy those Russian dolls and as you open one, you see another one, you open more and finally there's a microscopic one right at the end. There's so many. So as you unpack, there's more details, there's more stuff that comes out and you, more is revealed from within. So let's take a step back over the next few moments and imagine ourselves being present with those seven churches, listening to the letter that John had written for them and also for us. So the title for today's message is Faithful to the End. Faithful to the End. And the big idea is Jesus delivers His end time faithful witnesses through tribulation. Jesus delivers His end time faithful witnesses through tribulation. So let's take a look at the first four seals, also known as the four horsemen, uh, and, and let's deal with the context of what this says, all right? So we pick up in Revelation 6, verse 1. It says, Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like a thunder, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he came out conquering and to conquer. 
See, the first seal here revealed a rider on a white horse. And this is no Pai Mai Wang Zi, or some of you may know it as the Prince Charming, you know, on a white horse riding in to save the day. So what does this white horse represent? If he's here to conquer, then why a bow instead of a sword? See, to understand this, we must head back to the period of the Roman Empire. They were a very strong empire that invaded and converted territories to their system and rule. However, there was one particular group called the Parthians that the Romans could not overcome. And each time the Romans tried to attack them, they would push the Roman forces back multiple times. And they were known to be powerful with their bows and arrows. See, the rider with the bow would remind the people then that Rome was not the only supreme power or empire and definitely not something that they should bow to for peace and stability. In the same line of thought, the white horse also represents the Antichrist or a false version of who Christ is, that he appears to be this righteous person that brings a false sense of victory or peace for a short temporary period. That is seal number one. We look to the second seal, it says in verse 3, When he opened the seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, so that people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. See, the second horse is a red horse that signifies violence and bloodshed. And this was something that the first century church was very familiar with, given the number of people that have died under the Roman Empire rule. The Roman Empire was also known to be this place, you know, they, they call themselves, we are the promoters of peace and stability. But all of this came at a cost of an oppressive rule that removed anyone that did not align or agree to their system. So for the believers then, they, they witnessed so much violence against the church. That's seal number two. We move on to seal number three. In verse five, it says, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come. And I looked and behold, a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and wine. See, this next seal was a black horse that represents economic hardship and famine. The prices listed there actually ranged about 8 to 16 times the normal price of buying barley or wheat, which meant tough economic times. See, a denarius was the wage for a day's worth of work. So they had to work a full day just to get one quart of wheat or barley, while oil and wine were more than available and only a few were able to obtain. That's seal number three. We move to seal number four, Revelation 6 verse 7. It says, When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death. And Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. This fourth seal was a pale horse or some translations would describe as pale green because it represents the color of fear, sickness, disease and death. 
See, death is followed by Hades. Or in the Old Testament, Hades is known as Sheol, which describes the realm of the dead. The realm of the dead. And with this, it shows us that there will be an increase in the number of deaths significantly through famines, sicknesses, disease, and the reality, the ultimate reality that no one escapes death. So after hearing these four seals or the four horsemen, what do these four horsemen mean? After a while, you're thinking you're in some horse racing, eh? There's no horse run, huh? See, for the first century church listening to John's letter, the four seals and horsemen were meant to afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted and shatter any illusion that people can find true security in earthly things. Whether it's living in a safe nation or empire like the Roman Empire, or having the temporal success of a thriving economy, these things cannot provide any form of security for the future. John was reminding the persecuted believers not to blend in with society and and find security in a political power or national peace or economic stability or even personal health and life. We now move on to the fifth seal. And it says here in verse 9, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. See, this fifth seal deals with religious persecution. And it moves our attention to those who have been slain for the word of God. They were martyred, killed for their faith and witness for Christ. See, this is a huge contrast to the earlier image of what happened on earth between economy and and empires. While there's a false sense of security on earth, yet these martyrs find true security in heaven under the altar of God. The image given shows the martyrs experiencing closeness and divine protection of God and the assurance that God will undoubtedly bring justice and punish the evil world. See, this seal encouraged the persecuted Christians then not to give up their faith because this justice declared in heaven brings motivation and comfort to the afflicted that they should persevere in their witness through suffering on this earth. We move on to seal number six. In verse 12 it says, When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. There's a great shaking on this earth. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals the rich and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the rocks and the, the mountains and rocks, saying, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The sixth seal reveals the wrath of the Lamb or the wrath of the Creator. The great earthquake would symbolize an end-time terror as one would experience the coming presence of the Lord. 
This represents divine judgment over the world. And the vision of kings, rich and powerful, slave and free, in essence, it shows every person in this world without Christ would experience this immense fear to hide away from God's divine judgment. And it points to a hopeless future for those who are not with Christ. See, friends, nothing and no one would be able to provide any form of security from that wrath that would come. Not the powerful, not even the richest person in the world. And we move on to the next seal, that is the seventh seal. And this is open in Revelation 8 verse 1. And to be honest, there's nothing much to say literally because the seventh seal was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And we read here, Revelation 8 verse 1, it says, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. You might ask, what is this all about? Why, why suddenly there's silence? See, this scene represents that anticipation of something big about to happen. Take, for example, a football match. You know, when there's a penalty kick, before someone takes a penalty shoot, there's total silence. Everybody's holding their breath. Similarly, this pause and silence in the seventh seal gives the impression that something major, something huge is going to unfold. So after hearing all these seals, what do these seals tell us? And that is my first point today, that true security is found in Christ alone. True security is found in Christ alone. See, the seals point to a picture of accelerated and intensified tribulation. This world will become worse and in the last days, everything on earth will be shaken by God's divine judgment. And the challenge for each person is to find that security. And some may try to find security in, in, in the powerful or protected nation. Others may look for it in, in the economy and building wealth. Others may be looking for it in pursuing good health or prolonging their life. But ultimately, true security is not found in this world and in this life alone. See, that's the real issue here. That the world that we live in is too caught up in the here and now. Where our existence in this lifetime is the most important, is most crucial. And because we have placed such huge weight and burden on getting it right now, I must get it right in my life right now. Everything is about now in this lifetime. And because of that, we find ourselves unconsciously drifting away from Christ towards finding security in things that matter most to us in this lifetime. Maybe the reason why some of us experience sleepless nights or anxiousness is because we only focus on our life right now, on the here and now, on this earth, and nothing beyond and to be honest, I found myself overwhelmed by the weight of making decisions at different points of my life. The need to get it right so that there will be some sense of security for the future. Whether it's applying for that job or you know, to, to forward your career. Maybe, maybe it's finding a partner to be a spouse. Or maybe it's a financial or business decision that you're making. Or maybe it's even your children's future that we are all concerned about. And because of this, we feel paralyzed by the decision that, that we are about to step into. What if we fail? What if the decision I make doesn't turn out well? What if I am wrong? See, my encouragement is this. What if all that we've been building our lives around, 
We're building about something that was never meant to be or bring true security at all. Just like what would happen in these seals that we have witnessed, these things are closer to us than we realize. In a moment today, our economy can crash. In a moment today, our world could be dis- destroyed by a nuclear war. And in a moment today, peace and stability in the world would vanish in, a, in just a split second. See, friends, we lose hope in the present when we have lost sight of eternity with Christ. We lose hope in this present life because we have lost sight of eternity with Christ. The truth is this. True security is found only in Christ alone. And we don't get to remain this neutral party where we're hanging on to Christ on one hand, you know, and other hand holding on to, you know, all like, oh, my economy, my, my future, this decision, I might just stay here, the safety of other things. We don't get to hold on to different things, Christ on one hand and the world on the other, to create a sense of security for ourselves. And some of us, as we look at this picture, we're thinking, hey, Pastor, that's correct, what? Diversify my investment, huh? You know, I diversify. But that's not how it works when it comes to our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground when it comes to Christ. When it comes to true security, there is only one way to true security and life eternal. And that is in Christ alone. John 14 verse 6, Jesus said himself, I am the way. He didn't say there is a way. He said, I am a way. I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. See, power is not able to deliver us through tribulation. Health and wealth is not able to deliver us through any pain and suffering or or tribulation. There There is no other true security that will last for all of eternity. And Jesus continues in John 16 verse 33, He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And in this world, you will, find, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, friends, He is the way, and He's saying that only in me, you will have peace. There's no other way. There's no other true security. You will have tribulation, but take heart, He has overcome the world. Only Jesus can deliver us through tribulation. He has already overcome the world, and even in the pain, even through our suffering, we can still take heart that we have hope and peace in the one who is the Prince of Peace and our living hope. See, Christ did not just come to set us free from our sin and past only for this lifetime, only for the here and now. Christ came to set us free for all of eternity. And maybe that's the problem that we struggle with, that we are so caught up in this lifetime, we forget that we have eternity with Christ. So as followers of Jesus, we must move from the here and now only mindset to an eternal mindset. That even when things may feel hopeless at this point in our lives, we must continue to persevere and put our trust in Christ because true security is found in Christ alone. Amen? Can someone say amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, true security. security. Turn to the other neighbor and say, don't diversify. (laughs) So one after the other, each seal reveals more judgment and wrath. And at this point, for the listener, it feels as though everything is hopeless, it's final, it's permanent. This sense of, oh, helplessness. 
But we move on to Revelation 6 verse 17. It says, For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? The people on this earth are crying out after seeing all this judgment and wrath. They're saying, who can stand all this? Who can stand God's wrath? Who can stand through such suffering and pain? And who can look to the future in such times? The answer is actually found in the next part where John takes us into an interlude in chapter 7 just before the last seal was opened. And this is my next point that says, the future belongs to the faithful. The future belongs to the faithful witness of God. The future belongs to the faithful witnesses of God. We read this in Revelation 7 verse 1. It says, After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. A different kind of seal is now released. But this is the seal of the living God being placed on the foreheads of the servants of God. This seal is used as a symbol of divine protection through tribulation and and the wrath of God so that they can stand in celebration of God's victory at the end. Bear in mind that this scene is actually happening all on earth where the angel has come to seal the servants of God. So who are these servants of God that are able to stand through the tribulation? Who are these people that are sealed? We move on in verse 4. It says, And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that could not number, that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, the peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Earlier in Revelation 5, you know, John heard the angel mention the Lion of Judah. But when he looked, He heard the Lion of Judah, but when he looked, he saw the Lamb that was slain. And likewise, in this passage, he heard the 144,000. But when he looked, he saw a great multitude of people that no one could number. So what does this 144,000 represent? See, John was using 12,000 from each tribe to represent the gathering of God's nation, Israel. And 144,000 is a symbolic number that points to completeness. Well, on the other hand, the great multitude that was seen from every nation, tribe, and language represents the, the reach and extent of the countless number of God's people. So in summary, 144,000 represents completeness and the countless number of God's people. So even though there's much destruction and tribulation revealed in the seals, this 144,000 represent a remnant of God's people or the church of God that are here on this earth going through that tribulation. So who can stand? Who can stand through the tribulation? Who can stand at the end of it and experience a future with God? The faithful witnesses who belong to God. The faithful witnesses who belong to God. See friends, the the future does not belong to those who fight with power. The future doesn't belong to those who are financially wealthy, but the future belongs to the faithful witnesses of God. The 
faithful witnesses of God. So the question would be, what then does it mean to be a faithful witness of God? A faithful witness is one who simply remains faithful only to Christ, no matter what it costs, and continues to witness to others about Christ so that others can become part of this remnant at the end. See, we are called not only to be disciples of Christ, but we are commanded by Jesus Christ Himself to make disciples for Him. In other words, we are commanded to be disciple makers, to see more people more like Jesus. Can someone say amen? amen. Only the pastors and leaders. Can someone say amen? amen? Amen. See, Matthew 16 verse 24 says, Then Jesus told His disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There is a cost of sacrifice that comes with following Jesus and being faithful to Him all the way to the end. See, faithful witnesses are those who live with believing loyalty to Christ regardless of what the cost may be. Likewise, knowing that the future belongs to the faithful witnesses of God, that there is a remnant of God that receives God's seal of protection, then the question will be, how then should we live our lives right now? Because how we live today will prepare us to be faithful witnesses for Christ tomorrow. So the question will be, is there anything in our lives that we need to deny today in order to take up the cross of Jesus Christ? And to take it a step further, how are we living as God's faithful witnesses that our loved ones would hear about this hope and future in Christ Jesus? How is our worship today through our word, the things that we speak, and our works, our action, and our thoughts, how is, it our, how is our worship exalting Christ as Lord over every area of our lives? See, Hudson Taylor, this famous missionary that brought the gospel to China, he said this famous quote, Christ is either Lord of all or is not Lord at all. Christ is either Lord of all or is not Lord at all. There's a story, a real story of a young German Christian who was brought up in a well-to-do family. And in 1939, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was living in the United States, in America, for a period of time. And he was even offered teaching positions in universities. And all this happened just before World War II was about to begin. See, for him at this point, in 1939, he had a chance to say, I'm going to take up the job, I'm going to flee from all the crises and find a life of safety and security in a land far away from the war. But not for this man. Bonhoeffer chose to return to Germany, to be with the people. And he actually said this, I have made a mistake in coming to America I must live through this difficult period of our national history with the Christian people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people. And the story of Bonhoeffer goes that as he began, as he went back to Germany, he began to speak against the Nazi regime 
and he began to point people towards following Christ, to, to, to have discipleship in their lives, that there is a cost to follow Christ. And with all this, Bonhoeffer was later arrested and he was held in prison for many years. And eventually, he was hanged before the war ended. Can you imagine Bonhoeffer in that choice that he could make to flee from all the pain, to flee from all the, the suffering, to flee from the crisis. He had a choice that he could lead a life and he, could even, he probably could even justify and say, yeah, I can live longer here in America and, and continue to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he knew that God had a calling over his life. He knew that God has something for him, for this particular group of people in Germany. And he chose to sacrifice, to follow Christ, to be faithful even to the end. And some of us, we look at this life and we say, oh, it's only worth that much. So he went all the way back just to die. He went all the way back just to give his life and, and be in prison. And that's it. Well, the story is this. He wrote many letters while he was in prison. And one of the things that came out from that was a book called The Cost of Discipleship. Until today, this book is circulated around the world. Millions sold and people still reading it and being challenged in their discipleship to follow Christ. Even as he's passed, his words, his writings are still encouraging others to follow Christ. See, Bonhoeffer lived his life for Christ, faithful to the end. And he is this example of what it means to be a faithful witness of God. One who counted the cost and, to gave, and who gave his life to follow Christ. One that persevered and remained faithful only to Christ even through very difficult and dark times. One that continued to witness for Christ even after being arrested and imprisoned. Christ was the Lord over every area of His life. Friends, our allegiance to Jesus Christ is the only guarantee against divine wrath and judgment on this earth. It is our allegiance to Jesus Christ. In closing, I want you to know that kingdoms and empires have come and gone. Wars and famines will continue to intensify. Pandemics and natural disasters will continue to worsen in human history. COVID-19 was just a glimpse of what the future can be. There have been so much economic hardships over the years, pain and suffering, religious persecution where many have been martyred and killed for their faith. And can you imagine how difficult that would be, how painful all these things would be without Christ, without the Holy Spirit, without God as our guide and strength. This is why as faithful witnesses of God, we are sealed by God. He will put His protection and ownership, His mark on us. He will help us and He will enable us through any situation. And friends, church, this is why even through the centuries of human history, having experienced different kinds of suffering and pain and persecution and even trials, the church of Jesus Christ today, the faithful witnesses of God continue to stand continue to sing even through the storm. And that verse it says, salvation belongs to our God. 
who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Even through all these years, many things have come and gone and many things will come and will go. But the faithful witnesses of God, the church of Jesus Christ, we continue to stand and we continue to sing. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Today, as you've heard John's message to the churches in Revelation, my question to us is, what is God speaking to you? With every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to extend two calls for us to respond to this morning. And the first, as I mentioned, that true security is only found in Christ alone. So the first call is for those of us who have been finding security in the wrong places. And you've lost sight of eternity with Christ. The challenge today is we need to stop diversifying with one hand holding on to Christ and the other hand holding on to false worldly security. Friends, there is no middle ground. You need God to help you today to let go and help shift that perspective to an eternal mindset, to eternity with Christ. If that is you and say, Lord, help me right now. Help me. If that's your hand, lift up your hand right now to God. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Help me, Lord. Thank you. You may put your hands down. For some of us sitting here today, maybe this is your first time or maybe this has been a while for you here at church, but you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And today you want to respond and say, I want this true security in Jesus Christ. I want this eternal life with Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that is you, just quickly slip out your hands. No one looking around. Just slip out your hands so I can see it and you can put it down. The next group is for those of us who know that there is a future we know that there's a future with the Lord and the future belongs to the faithful witnesses of God. There is a remnant of God that remains even through all the trials and tribulation. And the second call is for those of us who need change in how we live today to be a faithful witness of God. We need to live our lives differently from the world today to be that faithful witness for Christ tomorrow. And there are areas in our lives that we have not let go. We're struggling in denying ourselves to take up the cross to follow Christ. At the same time, we know that God is calling us. You know that God is calling you to make disciples of the loved ones in your life so that at the end of the day, we will all stand with the remnant of God. And today, if that is you, with the Holy Spirit's help, you're saying, God, help me. Help me. Give me strength and courage to stand for Christ as His faithful witness regardless of the environment of circumstance that I am in. If that is you, quickly slip up your hands so that I can pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me put it down. Thank you. Church, can we stand to our feet this morning? Let's all rise to our feet if you're able to. And as the worship team leads us in this song, we want to open up the altars for those of us who have lifted our hands or if you haven't and you want prayer, you need prayer in your lives, just come to the front and our pastors would love, our leaders would love to pray with you as well. So as the worship team leads us, Step out from your seats right now and let's make a stand for Christ to be His faithful witness. Come, come right now. I have decided to follow Jesus.
Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The altar is open for prayer. Come. The Lord has spoken to you. Come. This is your time, allowing God to do something in your heart this morning. Thank you, Lord. If you have time, would you come? Allow you this time. Allow God to minister to you. To follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The Hallelujah. Keep coming. God has speak has spoken to you. Don't turn away from God. Come to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Yeah. 